What if I told you that there is a way to not only protect your stock purchases from going down as much during bear markets, but actually accelerate their returns on the upside over the long term? Now, in today's episode, we're going to cover what the return accelerator is. We're going to look at a couple examples of it in action, and then we're going to look at the math behind why it works. Hi, my name is Alex, and I am your stock storyteller. My mission here is to help you decode the business behind the stock so that you make better investing decisions. And real quick, before we get into the content, I just want to give a special shout out. We just hit 100 subscribers on the YouTube channel. So I am so thrilled about that. Thank you if you're out there and you've already subscribed. I really appreciate that. So definitely just made my day. But let's go ahead and talk about the return accelerator. Today, we're going to hone in on one of the specific methods that will allow you as a shareholder to make money, and that's dividends. Dividends are a big part of stock markets historical return. And in fact, we're going to look at some data that shows that stocks have actually primarily grown through dividends and reinvested dividends and not just capital gains. There's a professor at Wharton, which is the University of Pennsylvania, and his name is Dr. Jeremy Siegel. And I'm a big fan of his work and I love his books. And one of his books called The Future for Investors, he talks about this concept called the return accelerator. So what Dr. Siegel did was he looked at every single company in the S&P 500 from 1958 all the way to 2003, which was when he published this book. And he took all those companies and he divided them into five categories. And he ranked those five categories based on the dividend yield of those companies. Now I've got the book actually right here in front of me. And he shows this chart that shows that the S&P 500 over this period of time in general returned about 11% annually, which is pretty good. That's pretty much what you would expect from investing in the market, like maybe an index fund, something like that. But the top 20 percentile, so that top section of dividend paying companies based on their dividend yield, they actually returned over 14% annually over this time period. Okay, that's great from a big picture perspective, but what are some examples of how this actually works? One example is the company of Philip Morris, which in 2003 changed its name to Altria. Now at this time, Philip Morris was kind of reeling from this major backlash of anti-tobacco sentiment, anti-cigarettes, that whole campaign was in full force by this time. Now, as part of these series of litigations, Philip Morris was under scrutiny for this $12 billion bonds that this judge wanted the company to pay. And the company basically came to the judge and said, look, at this point, we're already paying so many fines that if you give us this $12 billion bond, we might have to declare bankruptcy and that'll be it for us. Now, keep in mind, Philip Morris, aka Altria, was still making lots of profits selling cigarettes at this time. So they were making profits, but this $12 billion hit compounded on top of the other litigation costs would have been really bad for them. So the price of the stock actually sank down to $28 per share, which was pretty low for them at the time. And that actually increased their dividend yield because Altria didn't stop paying dividends. In fact, they actually kept raising their dividend year after year. So as a shareholder, if you were invested in Altria stock, you would have been getting increasing amounts of dividend income, even though the company was under this pressure, even though they were lagging the market, even though their stock price was down significantly. 
So what ultimately happened is the Jeds eventually said, okay, you don't have to pay this $12 billion bond. Now, as soon as that news came out, the stock price of Altria shot up and more than doubled over a very short period of time. And so because these shareholders were getting these dividends, they were able to buy back shares of Altria at low prices if they were reinvesting their dividends. And then when the price shot up, not only did they benefit from the increase in price from their original shares that they owned, but they benefited from that price increase for the shares that they bought through dividend reinvestment. So that's how their return got accelerated through dividends. So Altria stock ended up outperforming the S&P 500 after that news came out, and they have been increasing their dividend pretty much ever since. Now, this doesn't just apply to companies like tobacco stocks that pay rich dividends on a continual basis. It can also apply to other types of businesses that are in different situations. One example is Kroger, the grocery chain. Now, Kroger is the biggest grocery chain in the United States, only smaller than Walmart. And in 1988, they were undergoing intense pressure because there were these private equity firms that wanted to buy the company out. But Kroger management didn't want that. They wanted to stay an independent public company. Now, in particular, there's this company called Kohlberg Kravis Roberts, or KKR. And KKR was well known around this time for these things called leverage buyouts. Basically, they would go in, take over a company, leverage it up with debt, and then sell it for millions or billions of dollars and then pocket the cash. And then they would go and do it again with another company. And they had their eyes on Kroger. In fact, there were multiple companies that wanted to take Kroger over. And so Kroger said, all right, well, how do we deal with this? We don't want this to happen. Now, when a company doesn't want another company to take them over, there's a couple different strategies that they can use. But in Kroger's case, they decided to take a debt-based strategy. So they actually borrowed over $4 billion in cash and loaded up their balance sheet with debt in order to make themselves less attractive for this takeover. Kroger was ultimately successful in warding off these hostile takeover bids. And that was great. But in the long term, Kroger management had all this debt to deal with. So what do they do? They figured that they could pay off the debt gradually by using the cash flow from the business. But what they did with all the money they borrowed is they then returned it directly to the existing shareholders. So Kroger management decided to pay out a one-time special dividend of $48.50 to existing shareholders. Now, this was a huge deal because around this time in the late 80s, Kroger stock was trading at around $56 per share or so. Now, Kroger did not pay a dividend again for many years, but for shareholders who reinvested that special one-time dividend back into Kroger stock, over time, they would have multiplied their shares by six-fold and ultimately reaped excellent long-term returns. I want to show you what these returns actually look like. So I'm here at this website. It's amazing. It's called Portfolio Visualizer. You can backtest the performance of stocks over time. And it's totally free. So PortfolioVisualizer.com, definitely check it out. I've been using it for years. So what we have here in 1988, this was when Kroger held off the hostile takeovers. And then 2003, this is the year that Jeremy Siegel published his book. So we'll look at that return time period first. And let's go ahead and see what we get. So if we look at this portfolio, what happened? So from 1988 to 2003, 
you would have actually gotten over a 19% annual rate of return from Kroger stock. So almost a 20% annual return, which is equivalent to turning $10,000 into $181,000. Like this is a huge gain. Now, in contrast, S&P 500 would have increased your money by sixfold from 10,000 to 64,000. So yeah, this is the portfolio income. Kroger only paid dividends that one time and they pay this huge dividend. So you can see you would have gotten something like $27,000 immediately off of your investment. Now let's go ahead and look at another time period. What about to today? Like, did that actually have long lasting effects for the stock? Well, it's been a couple of decades since this book was published. So I went ahead and looked at 2022 and let's go ahead and look at this. Now, if we analyze this portfolio, what do we have? So we can see that Kroger's annual returns, they did dip a little bit. They haven't been quite as good as they were back in, say, the 90s, but they've been pretty good. And over this long period of time, Kroger has returned almost 15% annually, right? 15% annually. Compare that to the S&P of just over 10%, 10.5%. And we can see that this period, if you reinvested your dividends, man, you really started crushing the S&P. And this was off of this one dividend. This is like crazy. Look at this. Look, at this is the portfolio income, 1988. Huge income from 1989 to 2005, nothing, no dividends. The company was trying to pay off its debt and just get itself back on its feet. And then in 2006, this dividend income kept going up, kept going up, kept going up. So we see that that's been a contributor to the return in more recent years. Those are a couple examples for you to show the power of dividends. In one case, you had Altria, which paid dividends consistently high over a number of years, and that helped accelerate returns. And then Kroger, which had this one-time dividend, which was this massive boon for shareholders over long periods of time. So it can happen in different ways, but dividends can play a critical role in the total return that you earn as an investor. Now, as a little bonus for you who made it to this far into the episode, I wanna share with you actually one of my favorite parts of this book from Jeremy Siegel. So go ahead and pick up a copy, actually. It's called The Future for Investors. It's kind of an older book, but it's got some great insights in it. And one of my favorite insights related to this concept of the return accelerator is when Siegel talks about dividend yield and the years to break even after price declines. Okay, so what he does here is he has a table where he's looking at the dividend yield of different stocks, and then he's looking at the price declines. So let's say you have a stock yielding 4% with a dividend, and its price declines 50%. Well, he has a table here where he shows, okay, 4% declines, um, the price declines by 50%. Well, it would take you 18 years to break even based on that dividend yield, which kind of sucks. Now you would think that the higher the dividend yield on the stock and the lower the price declines, the faster it would take to recover back to its original stock price, right? But that's actually not true. What Siegel found in his research is that the higher the dividend yield and the more severe the price decline, the faster you get to break even. So basically, if you have a stock with a really high dividend yield and it crashes, because you're investing those dividends at those super low prices, when the stock comes up again, it comes up significantly more so because of the power of that dividend yield. So it really does accelerate your returns. 
Now, knowing the number of years it will take to recover your stock price is good information, but what we really want to know is how much money are we going to make here? Fortunately for us, on the very next page of the book, Siegel has another table where he shows the dividend yield based on annual return when price recovers. So after your stock crashes and then it comes back with that dividend reinvested based on the yield, how much money would you make? And we can see here that the higher the dividend yield and the more severe the initial price decline, the more money you make. So as an example, if you have a stock with a dividend yield of 4% and then its price declines by 50%, when that stock recovers, you will receive an annual return of about 14% annually, which is really good. Now, of course, the more severe the situation, the better price return you get. So let's say you have a dividend yield of 8%, and your stock declines by 60%, well, that gives you an annual return of around 22%, just based on that reinvested dividend. And we see a real-life example of this. Actually, in October of 2020, if you remember, oil was crashing, and stocks like ExxonMobil, Chevron, Shell, they were down significantly because the price of oil was going down. Now, the dividend yield of those stocks shot up. And if you had bought at those times then after a couple of years when the stock price recovered actually i think it was less than a year that it took for many of those stock prices to recover your annualized rate of return was very significant because not only did you have that capital gains increase but you accelerated your returns with those dividends as well with that high yield so think about that in order to increase your total returns think about dividends and how they actually accelerate your returns and we've seen through this book which you got to get this book and read this book if you haven't already. I'll put a link to it in the description. That's actually going to accelerate your returns is the dividend. Now, of course, dividends are just one component of many components of total return. And if you want to learn what those are, definitely check out this video right here because you'll learn exactly what the components of returns are and how you as an investor can benefit and profit from them. So go ahead and check that video out and I'll see you over there.